Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on Thursday the 25th of August 2011. For newcomers, you should help yourself to the free audios which are available at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find hundreds to choose from and hopefully you'll get the shortcuts to understanding this big, very deceptive system you're born into and how it came about, how you're run by what's called scientific socialism basically, where techniques are used throughout school, written about long ago with, by guys like Bertrand Russell, who talked about using these techniques in school. They've been practicing them since the 1920s in special schools and then gave them to the whole population. And he said once that's happened, basically, and, and, the, and the information's been downloaded into the children, they won't be able to think their way into any other reality. And that, that's pretty true for most people. That's why it works so well. And, of course, they get the help from education and the mainstream news which really is, is so full of distractions and utter lies, especially in times of, of war and plunder, that you can't believe pretty well anything you read at all from them. So I try to give you the shortcuts, and hopefully they'll, they'll do something for you. And remember, too, that those who oppose what's happening in the world, there's many groups involved. Um, many of them are linked together. You, you, you do your homework to find out why and who and all the rest of it. And uh, there are many groups all fighting for their own particular reasons. Some, most of them want to bring in a kind of new Marxist ideology, uh, saying uh, the old communists saying that the old communism, of course, was it kind of went off the track somewhere. We're trying to get back on track and do it properly. And you wouldn't believe how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of organizations all interlink to give you uh, the news that you're going to spill out to others. And uh, it's quite something, this art of deception. So remember, two years, the audience to bring me to you so you can help me keep going by buying the books and discs I have for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And you can do so from the U.S. to Canada by using a personal check or an international postal money order, or you can use PayPal to to buy the books. You can also donate to, you'll see the donation button on the com site, use that, and then follow it up with an email with name, address, and order and I'll get it out to you. All the instructions are explained on the comm site. And uh, straight donations, as I say, are very, very welcome and because it's, everything's plummeting up here. The cost of living in Canada is way beyond what it is in the U.S. The U.S. has a lot of catching up to do fast, actually, and that's what I see happening there right now. Cross the rest of the world, remember, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and you've got PayPal again for the same reasons. And uh, as I say, your street donations are definitely, definitely welcome because things are really not going too well up this way with the cost of everything. And what I try and do is chronicle what the events as they happen, explain that the parts that the media leaves out because their job is deception. The media is all owned and controlled by the boys in the CFR and the Royal Institute of International Affairs for Britain. Uh, and they have branches in every country now. And they control your mind. After, after all, you're, you're dependent upon them for information, and they control your mind. They tell you what to believe, and then they write it in stone, and that's what goes down in history. This is what happened, yada, yada, yada. 
and then they call you paranoid or a conspiracy theorist if you happen to have other information, even if, if they leaked it out themselves earlier on in previous spiels. So it's up to you, as I say, to do your homework. You've got to find out what's really going on, and you've got to suss out the, the different groups involved. And as I've said yesterday, I personally don't want to live under any, any totalitarian system with control freaks telling you what to do from birth to death. I really don't care for systems much at all, to be honest with you. And that's what it is. It's a system. Everything in this world belongs to one giant system. And then there's subsystems right down to daycare and everything, all managing systems which manage you and your life. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and a few topics to talk about tonight, but once again, as I say, I like to, when I do read the mainstream, is to add the stuff in that they're, they're omitting, and most misdirection is done by simply omitting another side of the story or other facts to do with the story to make sure that you go with the desired opinion at the end of what you read. And that's how simple it is to guide your minds into the wrong paths. And it's just a simple control technique, really. But you'd be surprised at how all major media, and Carl Quigley talked about this with the Council on Foreign Relations, it's basically they own all the media. It's all the media barons that, that own uh, the guys. And even the reporters that are sent out to supposedly uh, cover the wars, are told what to film, what not to film. Like, for instance, when they do bomb uh, schools and things like that, and you see nothing but little hands sticking out and things like that, they, they will deliberately not, not photograph them. They'll go along with the party line. They'll film some other building and say, well, that was full of terrorists, you see, or insurgents, and all the other names they use for people who are defending their homeland. But it's technique of, of, of words, neuroscience, neurolinguistics, I like to call it psycholinguistics because that's the older name for it and it's more appropriate perhaps. And they bring you to the conclusions that they want you to have. Before I do anything, though, too, I'd like to mention that anyone uh, who wants to send me anything, like a parcel, don't use uh, the UPS, whatever you do, because they don't deliver it. That's the hard facts of it. Uh, corporations out there today are incredible liars. And if they can get away with something, they will. And what they do in Canada, I know maybe elsewhere, but in Canada, they, they, they deliver it to a main city, to their own warehouse, and then they subcontract it to Pure Litter Courier that doesn't deliver. That doesn't deliver it. And I've had this every year, spend hours on the phone going between the two, and uh, they won't even phone you if a parcel comes in. So if I don't know one's coming in, they just keep it, you see. They must have a great Christmas at the end, going back home with sacks of presents for themselves and their families at Pure Later Courier. But that's really what they do. It's false advertising when they say that they'll deliver. If you've got an address, you see, anywhere in America or Canada, a home address, we'll find it. We'll find it. Well, yeah. What happens is you have to go in and pick it up. It doesn't matter how far away you live. And you go around in circles and circles and circles with them, as I'm doing right now, in fact. That's what happened today. And you get the cheeky little uh, girls on one end, the pure courier, who actually hang up on you when you're 
giving them your complaints. They just tell you, come in and get it, come in and get it, you know, little cocky sods. And, uh, and of course, it isn't until you tell them that you're going to sue them uh, did they start to listen at all after maybe the fifth time you have called and gone around this roundabout from UPS to poor Lear Courier. Meanwhile, they have delivered here before when they've had to. And um, if they want to make new policies and UPS wants to make new policies, they should tell their customers because they're making contracts with the customers to deliver them to the door of the recipient, not to some storage place, and get the sheep to come in to be fleeced. And that's what they do in Canada. There's a lot of sheep in Canada. Canadians don't complain about anything, you see. And the the less they complain, the more these these wolves will get away with what they do, take more and more advantage of them. And uh, eventually they'll charge you a fee for storing it when you go to pick it up. So anyway, don't, send, don't use UPS, whatever you do. And I'll keep mentioning this every so often to let everybody know the cons that go on with these businesses. Because it's not just me that's being ripped off, obviously, or the senders. It's happening to other people that are sending parcels every day. But Sudbury is a disgusting, disgusting bunch to go around if you're trying to get something done, uh, when you're making a complaint against UPS, especially purely a courier. They're, they're absolutely insolent. And uh, it's not... Uh, <laughs> If they weren't getting subcontracted to, I can't see them ever being polite enough to get customers to, to use them. They, have, they don't have what it takes. They're arrogant and uh, disgusting. That's all I can say about them. And I'll, and I'll keep repeating this, too, till they get the message. But, you know, that's how the world is today. Uh, we're seeing it with the banks, too. Uh, they get high and mighty and all haughty. And they think they can do whatever they want to do, which they actually do, don't they? Because they are private corporations. They can make their own policies. But you can get them on legalities. But when they have open-end policies like banks do, uh, when they can just raise the fees whenever they want to and then start charging you for printing up your checking account or whatever, um, which they've just done recently too, there's no real... Come back. You can't do anything about it. It's their business, you see, and it's their policies. And of course, government knows darn well not to ever stand up on the side of the consumer. This just doesn't happen because every top politician is a member of the same organization, the Council on Foreign Relations, which is a private club, basically. And Carol quickly went through the history of it since he was the official historian. He said, he says that bankers got together and formed the Royal Institute of International Affairs and then the American branch, the CFR. Then they bought, they got over hold of all the newspapers. And they even did studies back in the 20s to find out how many mainstream newspapers they'd have to buy over uh, to, to change people's minds, to give them the right kind of thinking, etc., the way that they want them to think. And they had it down pat. I think they said about 20 would be enough for 20 mainstream ones. And that's what they did. And they've held on to that ever since. Of course, they own routers as well and all the other uh, news services. So you're getting nothing but lies by a private club, a worldwide private club. Uh, they even have uh, an institute for, for um, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They have an institute set up for the European Union, for all of Parliament. All the top parliamentarians are members of it. So they don't listen to the public because, you see, Quigley said, too, these bankers with their media and with their boys that they put into government, which is all the top ones, um, plan the future. And what they planned was wars, wars after wars. They'd make the wars happen and they'd demonize the enemy and they'd take over all natural resources, right down to the drinking water. And you're living through it and you don't even know it. 
is still going on. You get stuck, unfortunately, on all the front groups that they own and control. you got to jump over those boys and see who's really behind it and who's a member of what. Last night I said on the radio that if you want someone to give power over you to a politician or even a local councillor, you're giving them legal power over you. You better better demand that they disclose what private organizations and clubs they belong to, especially the ones have sworn oaths to already that supersede any other oath they'll take later on. You better do it. If you don't do it, you've had it. That's why you've pretty well had it today, in fact, because you didn't do it before. And you've also got to make sure uh, these people are not members of these groups, Council on Foreign Relations, or any of the associate front groups they have, because they have hundreds of front groups as well. Otherwise, you've had it. You've had it. You cannot bring into power someone with authority over you to do whatever they wish. And that's what they say in democracy. Once they're in power, they can do anything they want. You can't do it when they've already given their promises and their oaths to other clubs, organizations, or societies with secrets, as they often like to say. Now, the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the CFR, the American branch, and their European CFR, which is the European branch for all of Europe now, Australia, New Zealand, etc., are all, all of their groups in Canada as well. Uh, they work in concert to bring about this world government, and that's what Quigley said in his book. Their goal was world governments. But a new system, he says, often too they're mistaken for the communists. These ultra-rich international moneylenders that started off had front groups that often mimicked communism. Personally, I think they're one and the same because they funded communism. Because socialism and, or communism, communism is just socialism in a hurry. And uh, they, they prefer that because then the bankers can deal directly with governments for, for borrowing money from and so on, get into debt, rather than going door to door and getting you to sign a pledge or an agreement. So deal straight with government. Then you're, you're put down as a guarantor. You always pay up. The government will make sure of that. So anyway, as I say, you can't trust the major media at all. And it's so easy to be distracted with the news. Remember, I've read reports before by the professionals who actually gave you the Internet. And they said it would be so overloaded with data that the people will be unable to process it logically. And that's what's happening today. You'll have a thousand trivia stories, a thousand heartbreaking stories, which can certainly grab you, the heartbreaking ones. But in reality, it doesn't stop this, this steady march for world governance and a destruction of all that was. And that includes all of the family units. Pretty well gone now, to be honest with you. And uh, uh, if you have no family units, the government will, then can speak right to you as an individual, just like Orwell talked about in 1984. And there'll be nobody to stand up for you, directly to you. Wells talked to it about that very same thing long before uh, Orwell said it. And that was the goal of the socialists at that time. The socialists are just another front for the big, big banking boys, the globalist types, the Rothschild types, and the Rockefellers, etc. Now, I mentioned yesterday uh, that Mr. Haas, who came out in mainstream and talked about sending the boots in, getting the boots into Libya, meaning the armies of NATO. And uh, I've also got an article too. Uh, from 
the CFR on that subject today as well. And um, Mr. Richard Haas, who's the head of the Council on Foreign Relations, is also directing this war, by the way, if you haven't clued into that by now. He says, all of this poses serious challenges to the outside world, and in other words, impressions to the outside world. NATO's airplanes helped bring about the rebel victories. Not rebels, as you know. They were brought in from other countries as mercenaries and al-Qaeda, the supposed enemies that brought down the towers. Yeah. The humanitarian intervention, that was what we were told at all. It's just a humanitarian intervention as they bombed all these schools and houses into dust with the people inside them. It says, uh, the humanitarian intervention introduced to save lives believed to be threatened was in fact a political intervention by them introduced to bring about regime changes. So it was nothing to do with humanitarian intervention. This is basic slaughter, plunder, and takeover, pirate style, which they're well known for at the CFR. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix and reading Mr. Mr. Hassey's statements from their own website at the Council on Foreign Relations. I'll put that link up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com uh, with a few other links from other other articles as well, confirming the same thing. But uh, it's interesting to see how they, they can, in their own uh, little club, basically, they can admit that the humanitarian intervention nonsense that was for, for all us schmucks to, to believe in, you see, all the saps out there, was actually uh, a planned, a planned, long ago actually was planned in the 90s, uh, one country after another, including uh, the, the Libya. But it, but it, was, it says, uh, it was introduced, it was believed to be threatened was in fact a political intervention introduced to bring about regime change. Well, who wanted regime change? Eh? And all the people that they brought in were, uh, these in, in, they normally call them insurgents, you see, if they were going against uh, NATO. But they're, they're calling them uh, rebels and freedom fighters and all this stuff. But they're all from other countries. They're trained mercenaries, trained by Britain, U.S., and all the special forces that have been there for many, many weeks. And another article I have tonight, uh, it actually admits that, uh, that they had them in there for weeks. The SES were in there for weeks and weeks before, all, before today. So they weren't in there just taking photographs and sunning themselves. They're in there doing dirty work and dressing up as Arabs, by the way, as it says in the Daily Mail. The same thing that they did back in, in Iraq, if, for those who can remember, when some of them were caught uh, with munitions to blow houses up so they could blame it on, on different factions of Arabs. So this is the dirty tricks that go on. You'll never get the truth except snuck out from their own websites, from the CFR, etc., to give you a clue about what's really happening. But it goes right along with their world agenda. These guys, remember, um, eventually... Uh, they, were, they had been in operation for centuries. It's now called the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, and they got together in the late 1800s, and they merged the Milner Group eventually with the Cecil Rhodes Foundation uh, that was looked after by Lord Rothschild at the time. That's in the will of Rhodes, in fact. And they, they, they basically had a mandate to take the whole world over with banking, they said, with banking, and eventually leading to uh, the Bank of International Settlements, which would be the overall supreme bank for the world with the World Bank and the IMF. 
basically. That's how they would control the world. And it wasn't just to take it over for power's sake, although they love power, no doubt about it. It was also to bring a new system of life in where science and rationality would run the world and the scientists would be in new priesthoods. And that's what we have now is to tell us, oh, you can't breathe as much. Look at all that CO2. Now we're going to make you pay for it. Things like that, you see. And global warming, etc. So there you are. He admits from his own mouth on their own website that... Uh, Humanitarian intervention, uh, believed to be, was going to save lives and all that, was in fact a political intervention introduced to bring about regime changes. And then you go into Qatar. Qatar is a staging place for, for this. It says, it says Doha. Qatar was one of the first countries to back Libyan rebels, the insurgents from outside, seeking to overthrow Muammar Gaddafi with his 42-year-old rule collapsing. The natural gas exporter hopes to reap the political and economic rewards. So Qatar is helping them. Is going to get a big kickback as well. They've already got the oil boils and the, the oil characters in there, uh, divvying up the land and, and what, who's getting what and all the rest of it. Qatar struck its neck out amongst Arab states to support the rebels and the NATO air operation. Now, why would they do that? Qatar was one of the first countries to recognize the rebels' national transitional council. Why would they do that? As a legitimate authority in Libya and supplying rebels with water, weapons, more than $400 million in aid. Where do you think they got that from? Hmm? And gave help with selling and marketing Libyan, Libyan oil. Uh, Qatar was also instrumental in getting Arab League support for the UN-mandated no-fly zone. And remember, too, the CFR, Royal Institute for International Affairs, set up the United Nations. That's in the book by Quigley, too. Provided fighter jets to enforce it and analysis, say, other financial guarantees to NATO if the war dragged on. So what do you even find about? Who knows much about Qatar? Well, you have to look into it. It's, it's run basically as, as with a king. It's not democratic, but no, they won't get no-fly zones, and they won't be banged with the UN and NATO. Uh, it says here that um, it's got lots of natural gas and oil, lots of cash going in, etc., etc. It used to be a British protectorate, isn't that interesting? Noted mainly for pearling at one time and became independent in 71. It's become one of the region's wealthiest states due to its enormous oil and natural gas revenues. Then it says in 1995, Sheikh Hamad bin Khalifa al-Tani became emir when he seized power from his father, Khalifa bin Hamad al-Tani, in a peaceful coup d'etat. It says the most important positions in Qatar held by members of the al-Tani family. Well, isn't that awfully like Libya? But here, they're the good guys, though, you see. These are good guys. Because, you see, it probably is still um, half-owned by Britain as well. And... Um, it, it's so interesting, all of the, the fingers are in the pie in Qatar. And it's a staging area, you understand, because it's a staging area, and I've got the link, I'll put that up tonight too, on the staging area. It's got a deal with the U.S. It says, um, it says here that it's got, uh, it's American bases there, etc., for that whole sector in the region, and, uh, and they take off from there to bomb all the other countries. So it's a long-term U.S. base, massive base. Quite something, quite something. And then I've got two that uh, WikiLeaks, it says, Homeland Security invokes Patriot Act on a Sangi and seeks server data, but also wants subscribers as well. Back with more after this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix. Uh, that uh, article there, too, is one of from, from Wikipedia, even. But it says that... Uh, uh, it says, uh, Qatar has built intimate military ties with the United States and is now in the location of the U.S. Central Command's forward headquarters and the Combined Air Operations Center. So there you know where it's all been brought uh, out of, all the bombs, all the planes, the tanks, the mercenaries, all the rest of it. That's a staging center, long, long-term staging center. There's other countries to be taken down. It's a very important uh, location to Qatar for this very purpose. So, again, I'll put that up tonight as well. And you'll see why Qatar is boasting uh, that they've helped in, in to bring down this terrible fiend, etc., 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 Gaddafi, when they themselves are run by the same kind of thing. But then they're in with the big boys, you see. And another article, too, is a study that was done. It shows how, uh, how powerful corporations really do control the world's finances. It's done by Fizorg. For many years, conventional wisdom has said that the whole world is controlled by the, the moneyed elites or the more recently by the huge multinational corporations that seem to do something, uh, some time control of the very air we breathe. Well, actually, they're, they're, they're working on that. Now, new research by a team based in ETH Zurich, Switzerland, has shown that what we've been suspecting all along is apparently true. The team has uploaded the results onto the, the preprint server, and it gives you the, the server on this particular article here. And they use the data, a global database system, from uh, quite some years back to the present. And sure enough, it's just a few major corporations, mainly banking, that own even uh, companies like General Electric and all the guys in the military uh, combines. The banks own uh, pretty well all of the military-industrial complex names that you're so used to, Lockheed Martin and these guys. Uh, they own pretty well everything. So it's just bankers, not any old bankers, but the ones who lend to nations. I don't know what actually they end up lending, but that's what they do. And getting back to WikiLeaks too, it's, it's, it's said that... Um, the order seeks all of available information, not only in Asangi, but WikiLeaks also held by the DNS hoster. The information will be handed to the U.S. Grand Jury in Alexandria, Virginia. As says the press release has been issued, and it says, The order demands Dynadot hand over the following information for the period November 1, 2009 to present, within three days of the date of the order. Subscriber names, usernames, screen names, or other identities. Mailing addresses, residential addresses, business and home. The whole kit and caboodle of all the stuff that normally they just steal in it, but they've already got it. I mean, they've already got it with the equipment they use. And records going way, way back, etc. And the full order uh, and all the lists of in the order can be found on the link in this page too that I'll put up as well. So it seems that like Homeland Security can certainly go in anywhere they want and, and uh, just tell other countries what to do. They've got a few... Uh, schisms with with basically European Union, but even that's mainly show. It's mainly show because the European Union is just the same as they are. Uh, they're all working it, uh, together on the same deals of world domination. And everyone's very important, apparently. They've got to know all about every single being on the planet. Uh, and you, you date it, update it daily for them 
by all your Facebook things and etc. So you don't know how to. Most folk don't really mind. They'll tell you that. I've got nothing to hide. That's not the point. You're entitled as a creature on this planet, a supposedly intelligent creature, to privacy. Complete privacy. And people fear their governments. There's something very wrong. Very, very wrong. And the longer you fear your government, the worse it gets. Like any bully, the worse it gets. How much money does America owe other countries, the guys that buy off the debt and so on? I'll put a link up tonight, very interesting. It shows you the world map and put your cursor over the different spots on it and you'll see how much every little nation uh, owns of America and how much the U.S. owes them, I should say. And that's really what it's all about. But it's really an interesting to see some of the countries you never imagine holding a lot of the bonds for the U.S.A. And... I've mentioned so many times that part of the strategy for the Rawlingship of International Affairs using the British Empire model for free trade and the free uh, flow of labor is in full effect. That's all in the Charter too of the United Nations and the World Trade Organization. All these private organ- The United Nations is a private organization, a corporation. So is the World Trade Organization. You don't vote them in. And you keep prattling on about democracy. I don't understand most folk out there. I really don't. And, and the governments too, they're, they're, again, just like this farce with the UPS, um, outsourcing or subcontracting, uh, deliveries to purely to a courier that never delivers. And they just pocket the money, I guess. It's a good business to have when you, you, you lie and you just pocket the cash. But, uh, your governments are doing the same thing by subcontracting things out to private companies today. That was what they wanted at the Council on Foreign Relations a long time ago. You're living through the changes. And being private corporations, they can tell the public, well, you don't complain to us, we're private, we can do whatever we want. And that's what the government will say too, we can't tell them to do something private, you know. Whereas if this were kept in government hands, then they'd have to have some sort of redress to the public if demanded. Uh, part of it too was to totally destroy uh, the countries, the first world countries, by mass immigration that came out from the assistant prime minister, or the, the, the next in command to Tony Blair. I read the articles on my air there in the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And the, the plan was to so overload it with diverse cultures, meaning they would never fit in. Uh, there'd always be odds uh, that they'd totally destroy all memory and, and history, basically, in a generation or so of the British system, what it meant to actually even be British at all, or English or whatever, Scottish or Irish, Welsh. For Northern Ireland. But anyway, uh, it's still going at it. They keep talking about bringing the, the, the immigration down because they're all flooding across Europe into Britain, which is the best welfare state there is, uh, until literally they really hammer it down. And that's the plan, to hammer it down until they have chaos in Britain. I guarantee you that's what the whole agenda is. And probably a few years of internal warfare. I really think that's what the plan is myself. And I got a whiff of that when Maggie Thatcher was in and the minor strikes were happening. And at the same time, they were building underground and in, into hillsides these shelters to continue in times of atomic warfare all around Loch Ness. You know, they, well, you see these concrete monstrosities and the, and the U.S. were handed control of that area. You had to pass through checkpoints on your way to a picnic. Just wonderful. And... Uh, 
Uh, and so, really, the world is vastly different from the way it's, way it's portrayed. Uh, they were going to sacrifice most of Scotland to save London and bring the missiles down on Scotland where the launches were to take place. That's the real world. And I really do believe with the police state there that it's been set up, I said this years ago, the police state, they've been building up to it for 30 years, intending, obviously, to use it because they know what they want to bring down upon the public in Britain, the US, Canada, and elsewhere. They don't do this for nothing. They don't turn, they don't militarize the police and vastly expand the numbers of policemen and get SWAT teams that are really just an army when they're combined doing military exercises. You don't do that unless you plan to use them down the road. Remember, as I say, these wars uh, over in the Middle East were planned, at least at least published in the early 90s, first of all, then about 98, they republished them under the new American century by the neocons for the neolibs and neodems that took over. Same bunch running it, you see. Same bunch, same agenda. And when you get members of the old Bush administration congratulating Obama for keeping the same regime going, this new agenda, same agenda going, they're all in bed together. That's good enough for the public. They change the puppets once in a while, and you're fooled again. Anyway, the UK net migration rises another 21%, so dropping the number of people going to live abroad undermines Theresa May's plan to build to bring net migration below 100,000. This is net migration rose to 239,000 last year in a blow to the hopes of the Home Secretary, Theresa May. Uh, net inward migration into Britain rose by 21% a year on year in 2010 to 239,000. That's extra into this tiny little place. This little place called Britain. Fueled by a sharp fall in the number of people moving abroad and a resurgence in Polish migrants coming to work in the UK. The Office for National Statistics said the figure for long-term immigration in 2010 those coming to live in Britain for more than 12 months was 575,000. 12-month period. That's the legal ones, not the illegal ones. And once they're in from third world countries, it's special under the Charter of the United Nations that all the countries signed, they're allowed to bring it in all, all of their extended family. That's all, you know, aunts, grannies and cousins and second cousins. Only for certain countries, though. The ONS statistics show that long-term immigration, those leaving to live abroad for more than 12 months, was at 336,000 in 2010, a fall of more than 91,000 compared to the peak level of immigration in 2009. The 21% rise in net inward migration figure, the gap between those arriving to live in the UK and those leaving, is a fresh blow to the Conservatives' pledge to reduce the figure to tens of thousands by the time of the next election. That's absolutely, absolutely rubbish because of no intention of slowing it down. That is the agenda, and just like the same neocons, neo-dems, neolibs in the U.S., you've got the same groups in Britain. Uh, carrying on Tony Blair's policies, he did from the one before him. Greenpeace finds toxic chemicals in brand clothing. It's amazing, you know, you have to read the book by, by uh, Charles Galton. And he's a uh, relative of Charles Darwin, a descendant they married into that family. And uh, he was the first person to use eugenics as a term, I think, eugenics. 
and tr- he brought in the IQ tests and he fudged them too, trying to prove that working class people were stupider than the ones who were wealthier classes. He, he actually did that. He was caught fudging all the figures to suit his theory or his prejudice, put it that way. But he said in his book uh, written in the 1950s, remember he was also a scientist who worked on the Manhattan Project. He was no little lowly um, inbred so-and-so. He was definitely inbred, but he certainly was uh, up there in physics. As in, he was a, a physics uh, professor. It says, um, but he did say that he would use other ways to dumb down the public for managing them. Apart from, you know, sterilizing the unfit and all the usual stuff that they go into that, that, that was copied in Germany. And Germany copied it all from the US and from Britain, from London. Uh, he also, uh, Galton also, uh, talked about using hormones. If we can get hormones into the water supply or into the food and feminize the males, it cause less problems down the road because they knew the agenda of conquering everyone. And the only one who stops for the family to defend anything at all is a man. So you make him effeminate. And he advised using uh, hormones in food, etc., water. Green Priest finds toxic chemicals in branded clothing. It says, it says traces of toxic chemicals harmful to the environment and to human health have been detected in products made by 14 top clothing manufacturers. Samples of clothing from top brands including Adidas, uh, Uniqlo, Calvin Klein, H&M, Abercrombie and Fitch, Lacoste, Converse and Ralph Lauren were found to be tainted with the chemicals known as neophenol ethoxylates, it's called, uh, the watchdog said at the launch of its report, Dirty Laundry. Greenpeace campaigner Lai Yifang said that the, that the non-olphenol exhalates is commonly used as detergents in industries, including the production of natural and synthetic textiles, were detected in two-thirds of the samples the group tested. NPAs, as they're called, break down to form non-phenol, which has toxic, persistent, and hormone-disrupting properties. It's amazing it's always into the hormones, isn't it? You don't understand a war was declared on you a long time ago. I say that over and over, but I don't think most people really catch on. They're too caught up in what's happening on this very day. If you don't understand the long-term agenda laid out by the planners of it, that attended all the world meetings, then you'll never understand anything. It says it mimics female hormones, alters sexual development, and affects reproductive systems. Depopulation. That was one of the big things Galton was on about. We're going to depopulate all the undesirables, the lower classes, or they'll outbreed us, the bright ones, the ones who plundered and came from the top a long time ago. Components of NPEs have been implicated in the widespread feminization of male fish in parts of Europe and also in disrupting hormone processes in some mammals, according to campaigners. This is, um, this, they purchased 70 branded clothing samples, mostly made in China, Vietnam, Malaysia, Philippines, from 18 countries around the world, and subjected them to scientific analysis. Even at low levels, it represents a big threat to the environment and human health, lies said. And... Um, it doesn't surprise me at all. You've got the, you've got the bisphenol A in their plastics, and that's why they trained you to drink out plastic bottles and made water an awful popular thing you have. And all the yuppies had to have, they looked like walking teas, the letter T, with the hand out there in front of them, holding their water bottle. Wherever they went, this water bottle was there, like a baby's bottle, isn't it? And they never thought they were getting conned, because a soft plastic, you've seen it gives off the bisphenol A's and the phthalates very easily into the water you're drinking.
And feds are the feds are now under homeland security for the for the rural areas and for farming. They put themselves in charge. Feds are to grab land for homeland security. HR 1505, another federal land grab with exemptions from environmental regulations and a few more just for good measure. And just who has authority to, over these lands? Why homeland security, of course. The Hegelian dialectic creates the, prob- the border problem. The people demand security and the feds supply the solution, which is to grab the, the land and hand it over to homeland security. There's security for you. This is Mr. Bishop of Utah, for himself, Mr. King of New York, Mr. Hastings of Washington, Mr. Smith of Texas, and Mr. Carter, introduced the following bill, which was referred to the Committee on Natural Resources, and in addition to the Committees on Agriculture and Homeland Security, for a period to be subsequently determined by the Speaker, in each case for consideration of such provisions as fall within the jurisdiction of the Committee concerned. The bill is to prohibit the Secretaries of the Interior and Agriculture from taking action on public lands which impede border security on such lands and for other purposes, which is whatever you want that to be. Then it goes into the be enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives, etc., etc., the short title. It may be cited as the National Security and Federal Lands Protection Act, which is Land Stealing Act, of course, as you know, and double speak for Orwellian uh, enthusiasts out there. So I'll put this link up tonight as well. And then I'll go into a little bit too, because it's so interesting. And in Australia, uh, it seems they're run by the U.S. No kidding. Because, you see, I'll give you a, a legal document tonight. It's a PDF. And it seems that every person's census report is sent off to Washington, D.C. And what they earn, what their children are, are or imagine to earn in the future to pay off debts, etc. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Interesting, as I say, that we don't even know what's going on most of the time in reality, but some um, and the Commonwealth of Australia, as it was entitled here, uh, they made a deal apparently with Washington to send all their all their financial data to Washington, all their citizenry data to Washington, uh, even studies on how many children would come up over the years. And what they're looking for is future income, obviously. And it's by the Security and Exchange Commission, Washington, D.C. And it was done back it started off back in 1933. Isn't that interesting when FDR came in and they were after world socialism at that time? Isn't that interesting? But I'll put this link up tonight and you can get the PDF to see. If you wade through all this legalism, you'll find uh, they're still doing this. They're sending all this stuff to Washington, D.C. I mean, did they own Australia? Is it some deal that Britain made with them that we don't know about? But you've got to read all of this stuff here. But it really does show you that... Uh, it seems they're awfully beholding to the U.S. for their cash, and they've got to pay their cash to Washington, D.C., and all their census stuff goes to Washington, D.C. And they wonder why they're getting collapsed right now with thousands of jobs getting laid off in Australia, and they're to merge now under the tutelage of China as a supreme uh, boss in that area, 
Well, again, quickly talked about that a long time ago in his books, being the historian for the CFR. And, of course, they set up the Institute for Pacific Relations and a couple of other institutes that sounded rather uh, innocuous at the time. But they were actually working towards building up China and from before even World War II. Uh, they wrote about the, I've got their books here from the minutes of their meetings that they had in Australia about this. And here we go. Um, China is a major domo for the area, and that'll be part of the deal they're making with them too, to lump in New Zealand and Australia uh, with, uh, under China basically as the boss in that region. And they might even set up their super parliament too. They've already got the beginnings of it. And of course, China will definitely be the dominant party in that as well. So you see, we're bought and sold, just like in days of old, when kings would bring in a wife from another country, another princess, and she would have to bring a dowry of a couple of her, her daddy's ownings, a few countries here and there for a dowry, and he would swap back and forth, you know, through marriage, etc. Hasn't really changed it just for the big banks. And um, it's done through legalistic writings that most folk don't bother going through and they get lost halfway through it or they just give up. It's very boring. But it's done through legalisms, lots of legalisms. And it's quite fascinating, as I say, how uh, Australia has guaranteed uh, debt securities, etc., uh, go to Washington, D.C., with all the citizens', citizens data on them as well. Isn't that wonderful? Do you realize we should be happy that so many minds at the top there are always thinking about us? Yeah. Oh, we're always on their minds, how much we're worth, how much we're, we're valued as taxpayers, how much tax you'll probably pay off in your lifetime, and your, your children too, because you, you, they got their your DNA, they've got a pretty good idea how long you'll live, uh, which diseases you'll come down with, mainly from the inoculations you've had. And so they've got a good idea how much cash the herd is worth. So that's the real world that we live in. That's the real world we live in. Sorry for not taking colors, but I can't get the board up tonight. It's my fault, my end. But I'll try and get it tomorrow night. So from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.